Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. This morning, I wanted to start off uh, a little quiz, okay? Now, you're not going to get graded, okay? There's, you know, I don't want you to feel pressure about that. Um, I'll give you all gold stars no matter what, okay? But, uh, and we, we're going we're gonna to take it all together, and we're going to say it all together. So if you don't know it, uh, you can fake it, right? Until you make it, whatever that is. Um, the only person that will know is the person sitting next to you, whether or not you know what I'm talking about, all right? Okay? But um, what I wanted to just ask, right? You, wait a minute. First off, you guys in? Yeah? Okay. All right. So what is the overall theme for Lakeshore this year? Okay, ready, set, and you know what? If we want to cheat, we can even probably put it on the board. If it's on the, is it on the board? Do we even have it on the board? No, we don't have it on the board. Okay, so now this is the real test, all right? So what is the overall theme for Lakeshore this year? A? All right, hard for the house, hands for the harvest. Very good. I knew you could do it. Way to go. You all get gold stars, Okay. So we've, we've been talking um, about this, this idea of heart for the house, hands for the harvest, and it happens as a result of us as individuals, right, and us as a church, family, understanding what we've been calling the theology of place, okay? Now, again, I've said this every single time so far since the beginning of this year, there is no such thing as the theology of place in Scripture. Don't go try to go look it up, okay? But it is one of those things that we have seen and we have looked at and we've understood or we've been talking about the fact that God has called each one of us as believers, right, to be devoted to really primarily three specific areas, three main areas or places in our life where we can engage with God, we can engage with community, and that we can engage with the world, right? So it's called the secret place where we engage with God, the gathering place, where we engage, engage as community, and the public place, that we get, engage with the world. And these are so important, and I, hopefully over the period of time that we've talked about this, because we've covered the secret place in January, and now we are in the gathering place, but hopefully you've, you've been able to see how each one are connected to each other. At least so far, we've gotten to the secret place, now to the gathering place, because they are. All of them are connected, but all of them find their root in the secret place. Your relationship with God. That has to come first, because when that's first, then what happens is it translates into the gathering place. Then it goes from the gathering place to the public place, or it might even just jump the gathering place and go right into the public place. But it all starts with the secret place. Amen? Okay. So for us, then, we have to look at it and say, okay, what do I need to do in order for me to start, we've talked about it last month, to start in the secret place? What changes do I need to make? What things do I need to put aside in order for me to find the time to get into the secret place, to have this daily devotion, to be daily committed to this secret place time? Because when, that, when you're in that secret place time, then you just get divinely empowered, right? Because you, you're spending time with God. You're spending time with Jesus. You're spending time with the Holy Spirit. You're spending time with the word. You are getting divinely empowered to be able to go out to the gathering place, to be able to go out to the, the public place. So last week we started talking about this gathering place, right? And the, and, and the place, this gathering place, is, is where believers come together corporately to worship God to minister to one another for the purpose of building each other up. For the purpose of spiritually strengthening one another. That's what the gathering place is supposed to, to, to accomplish. Right? It's not about, well, sometimes what we put 
is about your personal preferences. Well, this is just the way I feel like it should be. Okay? But if God's called you to a church, he's called you to a house, then as the house flows, yes, you can share some of those feelings. But you have to also trust that God will speak to those who are leading. Right? And so in that, that, that idea is the fact that we want to gather together so that we are spiritually strengthening one another, we are encouraging one another, and that these gatherings can be from two people all the way to thousands of people. And by the way, I'm going to just thank Dean for that word because you know what? I think that's not only a word just for us individually. I think it's a word for this congregation as well. Going from barren to abundance. Right? Man, that, that, that lights something up to me. Hmm. So good. But it can go from two people to thousands of people. And so then we've also learned that from a biblical standpoint, the church isn't a building, it's a people. Right? Yes, we have all this stuff. This is the building. We call it the church. But that's not really the church. It's a building. The church is actually people gathering together. We're a people. We called it, uh, the Greek word was um, ekklesia, right? And in, in, in the church terms of ekklesia, we are a body of believers who have been called out. Right? Called forth selected and assembled to be God's representatives in every town, city, state, and even in the nation. Every single one of us have been called as God's representatives. He just said, hey, I want you to come together in this community to be the ecclesia. And one of the definitions I gave yet last week was, and I love this because I really believe this is true, this is the way it should be happening, is it's a body called out to make decisions that affect the atmosphere of a place, a city, or a region, right? We, we're going to get to the point where this, this church in this community is setting the atmosphere changing atmospheres to whatever the, 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 the principalities of, of the darkness that have invaded this area, this community, we as a church in this community, as a body of believer, are going to storm the gates. I believe that. But see, we, we, we when we gather together, we have opportunities to change the atmosphere, right? You go out and say, hey, we're going to go, uh, I'm just throwing this out, we're going we're gonna to go and have an outreach. Okay, let's do it, but let's do it with the mind that we're going to change the atmosphere wherever we come, wherever we go, because it's not about us, it's about Jesus, and we are carriers of Jesus. We are carriers of the Holy Spirit. And so it's not about, oh, well, look how great we are or whatever. No, 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 no. It's all about the fact that, man, I am bringing Jesus into the situation. I'm bringing Jesus into the community. I'm bringing Jesus into whatever that is. And then we saw that, you know, in the fourth century, they kind of uh, came up with the word for church in a sense they kind of changed it a little bit. It's a place where the belonging to the Lord met. So then from there, Really, we can say that the, that the, the real heart of, of church, right, again, it's not a building, but it's a coming together to those who belong to the Lord. So if you missed last week, man, I, I just encourage you, go listen to the podcast, okay? Because it, it was on fire, right? Let's do a little self-promotion here. It was on fire. All right, that, that's enough of my... Just, anyways, okay? So this, this week... We are actually going to talk about uh, why the gathering of the church matters. Why does it matter? Right? So again, so here let me give you the title. Really simple. Gathering matters. Gathering matters. Let me pray real quick. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here.
Talk to us. Show us how gathering matters. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, if you got your Bible, turn there. Man, if you don't have your Bible, they'll be up there on the screen. Um, I always tell you guys, man, it's so good to hear pages turn, right? When you hear those pages turn. We're, we're so electronic these days, which is great. But man, there's something about here. Yeah, here, let me hear that page turn. There you go, right there. All right. But there's something about a page turning that's like, yeah, at least for a pastor anyways, right? All right. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. It says this, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That day approaching is the coming of the Lord, right? We're getting there. But, but check it out. So here, here the writer of Hebrews is, is, is telling us, apparently there are already some believers who are skipping church. He's finding out, hey, guys, whoa, wait a minute, stop. Don't skip church. So there must have been something that was causing this, something for them to kind of, kind of lose their devotion, lose their commitment to the gathering place. Well, there are some thoughts as to why, and, and one of those is that people tend, I don't know, now listen to this and think, maybe, have you ever fallen into this, Right? But people tend to stay away from church and other believers when they become discouraged. Right? Here the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, don't forsake your gathering together. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor Scott. I'm discouraged. I, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to. No. But he's trying to get it across that, you know, that, that is the most important time for you to come together. Right? We, I mean, we can make all kinds of excuses. And that word forsaking, uh, forsaking in the Greek gives us kind of this picture of a person who feels depressed, left out, defeated, or even spiritually behind. Now, in the context of that, the, the, the scripture, or he's writing to the Hebrews because at the time, they were experiencing all kinds of persecution. They were waiting for the Lord to show up. The Lord wasn't showing up, but they were facing all kinds of stuff, and they were, being, they were getting discouraged. I mean, have you ever been in your walk with Jesus and at times felt discouraged? Kind of like, hey, where are you at? What, 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 what's going on? Right? I was reading this, this week about Gideon, right? And Gideon was talking about, like, man, where you been, Lord? Look at all the stuff that's been going on, and you're not even around. It, you know, God's so gracious to us. He was so gracious to Gideon. But, but we, we tend to kind of feel that way sometimes. And so we can get easily depressed. We can get easily feeling like, well, I'm, I'm just kind of a, you know, a square peg in a round hole, and it, yeah, just, well, I'm just going to keep my distance from the church right now because I don't have all of it together. But see, that, that's the tactic of the enemy, right? Sometimes, too, what happens is the enemy comes and he says, oh, man, you do not want to go to church, right? You don't, because you know what? You're going to get judged. People are going to see, man, you're still dealing with those same issues? You're still walking through all this stuff that you, that's going on in your life. And so people kind of shy away. They think, oh, yeah, I don't want to be shamed. I don't want, but man, you know what? I hope, I hope that you will never, ever, 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 ever feel ashamed or shamed here on this, in this house. This is a hospital, right? We all got stuff. We all got things that, that we're working through and finding out and trying to navigate. So, man, you know what? Bring it to the hospital. Come and, and let us pray with you. No judgment. No judgment. You know, and to, I think, in all my years of pastoring as well, it just seems to be that trend. When people, when Christians seem to, to just need encouragement, they run from the church. 
I don't get it. Like, I'll meet with them and say, hey, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks, or I haven't seen you in a month, or even like six months. What's been going on? Well, you know, I've been dealing with this and dealing with that. I just feel so discouraged. I just feel so lost, Pastor. Get to the house, right? That's like breaking your arm and never going to the hospital. You know, you're walking around like your arms is like, you know, dangling. Get to the house. Come on, get some spiritual hospitalization going on. Because that's what we should be doing as a community. Right? Come on, shake that head a little bit more. Come on, give me, give me some authority. Yeah, there you go. I just want to make sure you're awake. Right? So if you find yourself in that, don't skip church. Right? Don't stay home. Don't find something else to do. Don't isolate yourself. Because that is the enemy's desire. For you to isolate yourself, for you to just pity party me. Come on, where's my balloons? Right? I, I've been there. I've blown the balloons up. Trust me. So that, that's kind of one of the reasons. Now, if you fast forward, all right, to our culture today, this is, we see this in Scripture about how people are going to begin to drift away from the things of God. They're going to drift away and skip the gathering place altogether. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, this is in the message version. But it says, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. Think about that. Okay? At, as the end approaches... People are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags. I love that. Addicted to lust, and this part, and allergic to God. Right? End days, end times. They'll be allergic to God. They'll make, uh, 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 they'll make a show of religion or act religious. Behind the scenes, they're animals. Right? So the New Testament says that, that, that they'll reject the power that could make them godly. And then it says this at the end, stay clear of those people. And this is so evident already in our culture, wouldn't you agree? I mean, we are seeing more and more people being lovers of pleasure, right? Basically meaning putting what they want to do and what feels good to them first over actually being lovers of God. And, and, and you know, and unfortunately, it's happening within the church. And that's what he's talking about here. You'll see that more and more in the church. But see, hopefully, we'll be Bible-believing people, and we'll be able to see that, recognize that, and go, whoa, 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 wait, wait, that way, that's what Paul's talking about. I see it. And then what we have to do in a loving, very loving way is stay clear of these people. Lovingly. Hey, dude, I can't hang, man. I can't hang out with you right now. I'm all about Jesus, right? And they'd be like, what? And you're like, yeah, let me tell you. Something like that, right? Probably not going to go that way, but you know what I'm talking about, okay? But see, our lives need to be built around the priority of, 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 of serving Jesus, the priority of gathering together. That's the priority. As the, as the day is approaching, But see, sometimes what happens is we get this idea that, that or, or people get this idea when they start to, to kind of not be consistent in, in gathering with the body of believers. It's because they kind of have this misunderstanding that the gathering place is about us, individual, us, right? It's a place where we can come and, and be served, be filled, and call it a day. But that's not what God intends, Right? 
I mean, if that's your, your primary purpose at the gathering place, I'm just coming to be served. I'm coming for Pastor Scott, you to fill me up, and then I'm going to call it a day. Well, you're missing it. I know that's kind of strong, maybe, but you're missing it if that's the pretense in which you're living your Christian life or your gathering place life. Because our life should be built on the model, the biblical model of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Where it says that we consider one another. I'm going to tell you this. It's not just Pastor Scott's job to consider one another. Right? Because we think that sometimes. Right? Yeah, it is my job to consider one another but it's not my job alone. Yes, I get paid to do that. But see, if I didn't get paid to do that, I am still mandated by God to consider one another. If I wasn't a pastor, God never called me to pastor, but I was in church, I was in this church, I would be considering every single one of you, no matter what, every single Sunday, because I want to see God's plan be performed in your life. But see, we've got to to get that. And and, and we've got to get to that point where we come and we're stirring one another in love and good works. And where are we supposed to do all that considering, right? And stirring? In the gathering place. In the gathering place. We can do it one-on-one, right? Two people, like I said. So, man, we can go have coffee. And I can try to stir you. I can try to encourage you. I can try to say, hey, come on, man. You can do it. You got this. That's one way to do it. But the other part is, you know what? We should be doing that all the time when we gather together. I'm looking for ways to stir you up. I'm looking for ways to build in you this encouragement, this this thing to keep on going. So it can happen, you know, on, on large group gatherings in the gathering, you know, for, for Sunday mornings or mid-sized gatherings, connect groups, whatever that is, Bible studies, or it can happen with two or three people. So again, the gathering place is any place that we come together with other believers for the purpose of worshiping Jesus, for ministering one to another, building each other up, and then to being in agreement with his plan for the church. So how do we do that? Let me give you the first first one. In the gathering place, we worship corporately. In the gathering place, we worship corporately. Again, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let Let me say this too. When you come to church every Sunday or on a Wednesday, start thinking about considering one another. Okay? Don't just come in, come in, head down. Oh, I'm glad I got here, like, you know, at 1010, because, you know, I know the worship, and man, I don't you know, worship, uh, whatever. And then you're just totally, like, focused on yourself. No, turn it around. God, what can I do for a brother or sister this morning? How can I encourage them? Help me to see with my eyes. When I walk into this building, I'm already ready to go. I'm already pumped. Okay, God, you're going to use me this morning. I don't even know what that means. And you know what? You know what? It could be as simple as, let me get the door for you. Come on in. Simple, right? It could be just a smile. Hey, how are you? It doesn't have to be elaborate. But see, that's where we've got to change our heart to understand, hey, I'm coming for a purpose. We'll get into this more. But I'm coming for a purpose. Okay? Now, I'm sorry, let's get back into verse 25. It says, and uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, right? So the thing about corporate worship is that it has always been important to God. It always has. Way back, right? Let's go, we'll take a way back, right? Exodus chapter 17. So Exodus 7, 16. Uh, maybe 17, I don't know. I may have maybe messed that up. I don't know. Um. But see, God directed Moses to tell the Pharaoh something. 
right? This is what he said. I, I have down in my notes that it's Exodus 17, but in, in the scripture read it's 7, 16. So I don't know, who knows what I'm doing. But, the, but you'll get the point. It says, then announce to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to tell you, let my people go so they can what? Yes. All the way back, Exodus. God's all, this is my heart. You tell the Pharaoh to let my, your people go, my people go, because I want them to worship me. And I love this. Not in convenience. He says, worship me in the wilderness. That's hardcore worship, right? Because especially for us, we'd be all complaining. Oh my gosh, it's so hot. Oh, geez, where's the air conditioner? All right? I mean, I'm just stating it as a fact. But he says, in the wilderness, until now, you have refused to listen to him. Right? So the Lord called for his people to come out and worship him together. It's important to him then, and it's important to him now. Right? Think about this. He delights in our togetherness. We don't think about that. Right? Again, we, we personalize everything. And we think, well, man, the Lord's going to delight just in me because I'm here. I made it. But no, he says, no, no, you're part of the group. You're part of the family. You're part of this, this covenant, beautiful covenant family that I've created. And when you gather together, man, I am like just delighted. I don't know if he does the Irish dance, you know, or the skip, I don't know. But he's delighted in our togetherness. And it's not just about us coming and singing songs. It's more than that. We gather as individuals, right? We gather together. We're not vying for individual um, preferences, but as a united people. That's key. We gather unitedly, right? We're devoted to glorifying God, submitting to the scriptures of what God has to say. You know what? And what I love is God promises he'll show up. Look, this is what he says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. So when we come united, right, and we are glorifying God and submitting yourself in Scripture, I love this. It says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. It's not when 3,000 gather, right, or when 200 gather, he breaks it down to, hey, two or three. I, th I count one. Two, three, you know what I mean? So that means, hopefully never this happens. If I just show up and my wife shows up, hey, he's going to show up. But man, how much better it is when we all come together, right? And God's like, yeah, man, I am totally taking delight in this. This is awesome. But see, God responds when we put our affection on him together. Right? He comes where he is welcomed. When we together welcome him, every single time I'm like, he's coming. I, I'm in a, just to be honest with you, throughout the week, I'm in an anticipation every single Sunday that God's going to show up. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how that's going to play out. There are times I'm like here and I'm like, oh, Lord, however you want to do it, do it. I don't know how it's going to work. But, but, that, but that's my heart. I want God to show up because I want everyone to have a reality of who Christ is, who God is, what God wants to do. And we, and we know that the Holy Spirit is in us and on us, but he's among us too when we gather. He's among us, especially when we gather in unity with one mind, one focus, one, we're just, he's just attracted to it. Right? Acts chapter 2. They were all in one accord. Not the car, but they were in one accord. Right? Who shows up? Holy Spirit. God shows up. Because they were in what? Unity. Psalms 133 tells us this. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. 
Verse 3, for there, right, together in unity, the Lord commands his blessings. So unity reflects God's heart and causes the anointing of his presence to come, right? Causes the anointing of his presence to saturate us, right? And then he manifests this blessing in the gathering place. It can happen in your home on your individual um, secret place worship. But you know what? It also can happen when we gather together. Amen. Even probably even greater to some degree because now you, other people are seeing, oh my gosh, God's showing up. God's doing that. Oh my God, our, our altars are filled with people just repenting and, and, and experiencing the power of God. Oh my God. You know what that does? That, that builds up. That encourages that lifts each other up. But see, we've got to come together. I, you know, and another thing that gathering together can, can help us do in this corporate worship is the fact that, that, you know what? God has the ability to help realign, realign us, right? Realign, give us a realignment to our hearts and to our minds. Okay? I mean, have, I mean, have you ever driven your car and hit a curb? Right? And then all of a sudden now your car's out of alignment. And then you're like, steer, you're steering, trying to go straight, but you're steering wheel, you're kind of like, ah, but in order to go straight, instead of like curving, you know, driving off in somewhere. So what, what would you naturally do? You would take it to the mechanic, say, my thing is out of alignment. They'll charge you like a hundred bucks, right? To get your wheels back in line. And then off you go. That's what the Gathering together is about. Because how many of us hit the curbs of life on a daily basis, and next thing you know, man, our mind is kind of... But see, when we gather, the Lord's, you give the Lord the ability to set that realignment, to align it back to the way it's supposed to be. But it's the gathering together. That helps that in every step of the way. Because you know when you, when you keep driving and your car's out of alignment, it jacks your tires up, right? Yeah, you know, it gets bald on one side and gets all messed up. And, then, you know, they talk about, oh, man, you're jacking your car. It's just terrible. Well, same principle. Sometimes our pe- people just think, oh, I'm going to get away from church. I've hit so many bumps that I cannot come to church because people will judge me or whatever. Or I, can, I, I can't even ask for prayer. That's just enemy. He wants you to come and get realigned. He wants you to come and, and experience all that he has for you. He's so good, right? But, it, but he helps reshift our focus when we gather together on Jesus, right? That realignment comes. I don't know about you, but I always feel so much better when I gather with other believers. I walk out going, yeah, man, that's right. God's on the throne. Let's go. Instead of, sometimes, man, I, I'm just being honest. I'm human. I'll walk in and go, man, this has been a long week. I'm tired. I've been, man, hitting the curb, hitting the curb, and preparing a message. Hitting the curb and preparing a message. Hitting the curb. And then I get in here, and then we gather together, and we start worshiping. And, man, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by talking with other people. And, man, I'm telling you, there's something about it. I walk out of the house going, I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready for whatever comes at me this week because my my heart and my mind has been realigned. Okay? The second thing is in the gathering place, we minister to one another. Okay? We minister to one another. Hebrews 10.25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the matter of some, but exhorting one another. Okay, and that word exhorting comes from the Greek word parakaleo, which always refers to one personally coming alongside another in order to encourage, strengthen, and build a person up in a way that helps them move forward. That's key. It's not to beat someone up. It's not to, man... Never want someone walking out of this house feeling beat up by somebody. Because, hey, you're not measuring up. You, 
You still got that problem? <laughs> no. I see you got that problem, man. I'm going to stay in prayer with you about it. We're going to see victory over this. We're going to see God move in your life. This is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to cheer. I'll be your cheerleader. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Right? Next week they come in. Hey, how did that happen? How did it go this week? Oh, you're still dealing with that? Come on, we got this. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep saying, you call me if you need anything. Okay? Right? Hopefully all you got my phone number. Call me. I'll talk. I'll pray with you. But see, again, remember, it's not just about me, man. You should be connecting with brothers and sisters as well in the body and being able to say, hey, can you pray with me about this? It doesn't have to be, you know, a long thing. Yeah, you got it. Let me pray real quick. Boom, let's go, right? So, we want, to, we want to challenge people to move forward in the relationship with the Lord, not backwards, right? And it's basically ministering to one another in the church, listen, at every level, young to old. Nobody gets left behind, right? Remember those movies, no, left behind movies? Ah, man, I was, as a kid, I was so like freaked out every time I came home and my parents weren't there. And I thought, oh my God, I got left behind because I watched one of those videos and I'm seriously scared of the bejeebies out of me. So I'd come home and my parents were there and I didn't know where they were because this was before cell phones. This was like before pagers. This was like, I'm old, right? And I'd get home and I'm like, oh my God, I got left behind. Which I didn't, praise the Lord. But, 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 but no one gets left behind. This is for you. We, we need to be ministering to our babies all the way up to our oldest people in our, in our church. Amen. No one is left out. There is no such thing as retirement in the body of Christ. Right? Don't matter. Oh, man, I got to a certain age. I just can't help anymore. No. <laughs> what? Not happening, man. Okay? You love me? Okay. All right? But see, part of the deal is the fact that, you know what? We're, we are going to steward the gift or gifts, we're supposed to be stewarding those gifts that God's given to each one of us. Each one of you has a gift for the body of Christ. Take your head, yes. Like, yeah, Pastor I'm acknowledging that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is, but yeah, 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 yeah. Okay? Each one of you have a gift, right? And God has graced you with that gift. But see, we tend to hold on to that gift. Or... We only use that gift in our jobs. We hold on to it and say, oh, I, I'm, man, yeah, this is part of my gift. I'm really good at it. It's my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes to church, oh, <laughs> what? I, I, you need to help administratively? Sorry, Pastor Scott, that ain't, that ain't my job description. Or, you know what I mean? I'm just, I, I, there, there are things in the body of Christ that God has gifted each and every one of us, and we are supposed to be using that. We're supposed to be good stewards of it. Let me read a, a scripture to you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this. As each one has received a gift, okay, right there. As each one. He wasn't singling anybody out. He was saying, it's all of you. Right? It's all of you. Okay, so I'm going to say, it's all of you. As each one has received a gift, listen to what he says, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So whatever your gift is, big or small, you have been entrusted by the Lord, right? To use that gift to strengthen to encourage some others. And here's the deal. It's non-negotiable. Many of you have come up to the table and the Lord's sitting there and saying, hey, I want you to use your gift. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. What, what are you talking about here? No. And he's like, hey, no, this is non-negotiable. If you got a gift, you're supposed to use it. Whatever, 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 
whatever that looks like. We can't push it. Sorry, sorry, Lord. I only use it in my job. I only use it when I feel like it. But he's like, you know what? No, 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 that's not how it works, my son. That's not how it works, my daughter. Matthew 10, verse 8 says, Freely you have received, freely give. So that basically just means you should actively seek to encourage, strengthen, build up one another. Listen, just as someone has taken time to do that to you. Think about it. We'll do a a break for just a second. Think about those people who have spoken into your life, maybe even shared Jesus with you and you you received Jesus. Think about those who have taken the time and, and, and it helped you. They were using their gift in order for you to receive something. Now it's your turn to turn that back around, play it forward, whatever you want to call it, and say, yeah, what am, I, what am I giving? What am I handing to people? Am I all about just, you know, the horse race blinders where I'm just looking straight ahead and it's all about me? Or am I actually jumping in and being engaged and, 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 and making time for other people? Trying, trying to give what I've been given so I'm giving it back in some way, shape, or form. Here's one more. Understand this. Jesus takes it very personal when it comes to ministering to one another. And and I'll say it this way. Matthew 25, okay? This is what he says. Now, this is in the Passion Translation, so it's a little bit different than what, you know, like New King James or whatever says. But it's right on target, okay? He's talking to, to people. And he says, for when you saw me hungry, remember, I'm saying he takes ministering to people very personally. He said, for when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then, I love this, the godly will answer. So he's not just talking to unbelievers, right? The godly, the godly will answer. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did you see uh, when did we see you poorly clothed and covered you? When did uh, we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king, I love that, the king, right? Establishing who Christ is. And the king will answer them, don't you know when you cared or you can put in when you ministered to the least one of these? My little ones? Hello, kids ministry. My true brothers and sisters? Children's ministry all the way up to old, old people. Well, you know, you know what I mean. Caleb generation people, okay? Yeah, my wife reminded me, hey, you're in that too, just so you know. I am part of the Caleb generation. Yeah, woo! Okay, anyways. <laughs> Says, my true brothers and sisters, listen, you demonstrated love to me. He takes it personal. When you go out of your way to knock on your neighbor's door, See how they're doing. See what's going on. Maybe, maybe they had somebody who had a, a surgery and you said, hey, can I bring you a meal? Guess what? You're, you're loving Jesus. You're showing Jesus. But you're also ministering to Jesus. That's what he takes serving very, very personally. So we have to stretch out of our comfort zones. Right? we got to start looking for whatever the big thing or whatever the small thing is, right? And here's the deal. Not everyone is called to stand up here and preach, okay? Not everyone is. So don't, don't put that pressure on yourself, right? 
but somebody could help with the coffee. Somebody could open a door. Somebody could just smile. Welcome. I mean, I'm just saying. Don't think it has to be monumental. Pastor Scott, well, what's the smallest thing that I can do? I'll figure it out. Because you know what? In the, even in the smallest thing that you're doing, you're ministering to the body. That's what it is about, the gathering. How can I minister to, to, to one another, right? Here, we're going to watch a short clip real quick. It's only a minute long. But hopefully you'll, you'll get an idea of the, the, the power of community, of working together. Go ahead. Looks a little creepy at the beginning. powerful, isn't it? Right? It shows the power of collaboration. I love how things change. It was kind of cryptic. It was kind of like, oh, what's up with these people? But as soon as they began to take the focus off of themselves and recognize, you know what? I can't eat with this big, long spoon. It's not working, but I can give it to another person. And then that person in turn gives it to another person. And they all start working together to where now they are being fed. Now they are beginning to, 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 to understand, but the focus was off of them and put on others, right? So, so important, right, that we get that. But see, that's what happens, should be happening when we gather. That I'm not just carrying my long spoon and I'm just, you feed me, Pastor Scott, and, you know, whatever, it should be the fact that, yeah, Pastor Scott's going to give me some, something to hopefully go on. But at the same time, man, I'm, I'm taking my spoon. Hey, what do you need? Can I pray with you? Can, can, oh, man, whatever. Or just an encouraging word. A hello. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Awesome. God's good, ain't he? Yes, he is. But see, people can walk out going, man, that was awesome. I connected with somebody and... You know, instead of sometimes just making a beeline out of this place, I got to go later. I, I heard a pastor once say this, when everyone comes to serve, everyone leaves filled. That's powerful, right? When everyone comes to serve, everyone leaves filled. And let me give you number three real quick. In the gathering place, we come into agreement. There's nothing like being with like-minded people, especially when it comes to talking about your faith. I'm sure you've, you've come across people, right, in, in your life that are non-Christians who, who you try to explain your faith. You try to explain to them this stuff, and, they're, and they're, they have a struggle kind of with it. Like, what? That's weird. What? I don't get it. Okay? But when you are with your like-minded Christian friends, they get it. Right on, brother. Man, I'll be, yeah, let's go. I'll be praying, whatever. You know what I'm, they, they, just the way it works. Philippians chapter two, verse two says this, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So when we gather, we need to be of one mind, right? Now, being like-minded is not, you know, kind of robotic uniformity, okay, where you, where you can't think on your own. But being like-minded is when people value and, uh, and hold tightly 
to what they know to be true about God and his word, right? And then we are able to come into agreement about that. I might not like your football team, but I'll tell you what, I can come into agreement with you when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to Jesus. And you might not like my football team. Many don't. They curl on it all the time, right? College, right? I'm a Notre Dame fan. They're overrated. They're this, they're that. They suck, all this, all those things. But, but that's not going to change my agreement that I love Jesus and I love you because you love Jesus too. It's just not going to change it. Do you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Right? And so we've got to be able to come, come to this, this, this idea that, you know what? When we come together, when we gather together, we just need to have, you know what? I put aside all this other stuff. Man, you're my brother in the Lord. You're my sister in the Lord. And we are kind of coming in agreement. We're going to worship God with all our heart today. We're going to come and, and just be engaged and involved and focus on him because there is power in agreement, right? Like, like for example, we can agree that, that Christ is the head of the church, right? Paul writes this in, in Colossians uh, chapter one. He says, and he himself ex existed as is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. He is also the head, the life source, and the leader of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and preeminent in everything. And in, and then in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, right? So when we gather together and worship and pray and hear the word, man, as believers, we're establishing, coming together in agreement that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of, of this body, right? And he's the head of you and I, right? And just as the head has, 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 um, um, is the source of power and authority, our agreement puts everything in place that says that Jesus is the authority. He is the authority. And then when we come together, we can, we can have this in mind, that we can come into agreement when we pray, right? Jesus, it says Jesus is the living word. He's the source for everything we need for every area of our lives, resource, finances, healing, all the resource, family, even family stuff. Uh, you don't know my family, though. Yeah, no, 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 he does, right? But it says all of it is under his feet. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, and I promise this is my last scripture. Um, if I got anybody going to play keyboard or anything like that, uh, feel free to come up. If not, just cue that t uh, tape ready or the um, music. It says this, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, okay, we met one requirement. We are on earth, aren't we? Yeah. So we've met a requirement. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Okay. Because we don't look at it that way. But we met a requirement. He said, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Anything. Right? So we can see by that scripture alone that there is enormous power that exists when believers come together and agree together, right? That's, that's why we have after service people to come up and be prayed for so that they can come and pray for you. Two, three, right? But see, we, we have to be in agreement to say, Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. My issue really is under his feet. And I'm always going to look towards the one that's above it. Right? But 
see, that all of this happens when we gather together. That, that's why you're such a vital piece to the body. When, 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 when you're not here, we miss you. We want you to be here. There's people that are not here today that usually are here. But they're missed. There's something about that. So gathering together matters. It's so that we can worship together. We can be washed and refreshed and renewed in his presence together. It's so we can minister to one another, right? To encourage, to strengthen, to build up one another, to help each other keep moving forward in our relationship with him. And that we experience his power when we come into agreement with who God is and what his word has to say. when the gathering place starts to function that way at that level watch out because as a community we start becoming who God has seen us all along see God's got a bigger picture of what this looks like way bigger than what we can imagine but see when we all start doing our part and working those things together then all of a sudden you know what we, we, we rise to a different level I want us to rise to a different level. I want us to experience the presence of God in this house every single Sunday to the point where, man, we're walking out and going, whoa, did you explore my goodness? But then all the other stuff that goes along with it, it takes somebody who's the hand, it takes someone who's the arm, it takes someone who's the head, it takes someone who's the eyes and the ears and the feet and the toes. And all It takes it all together in order to make it function the way God intended this house, right? We are part of a bigger thing, but again, too, we have also have to function in our house. And that's my heart. I want to see us function at the level God has called this place to be. And it's a lot greater a lot bigger than what, man, I know we're experiencing right now, but hold on to your hat. Buckle up. Because we're believing. We're believing for God to show up and do something I can't explain because it won't be in my power. But see, I, I need people, I need you guys to be praying that with me. Bible says one can uh, make a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. Think about it, man. If our just our group started praying and saying, "All right, I don't know what Pastor Scott means by all this, but I'm going to start praying that God shows up and have expectancy every Sunday," and just, oh my goodness, we we got some flights going on, right? But man, I, it's just all welled up in me. So it's hard sometimes to express it. But I'm so grateful that you're here today, right? And I hope you've been blessed by what, what this message was about. I hope it, it, it has taken you and kind of maybe even uh, uh, molded you a little bit. And maybe even, you know, uh, maybe the Holy Spirit maybe took some sandpaper and he's kind of rubbing some of the edge. I don't know. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful. So bow your heads. Let me pray with you and we'll, we'll get done with service. Oh, Lord Jesus, we are so, just so grateful for what you're doing in this place. <laughs> Lord, thank you for that word. That as, as a group, not just us individuals, but as a group, we're going from, from a place of uh, wilderness to abundance or a place of uh, barrenness. Yes, thank you. To abundance. <laughs> Only you know what that means but I, I'm going to hold on to that for us as a congregation, as a people. That, that, that we, are, we are hungry. We are thirsty for your presence. We desire you in this gathering place. And Holy Spirit, thank you for just speaking to our hearts and, and taking sandpaper to wherever edges that are rough, that need to be smoothed out in our life. When it comes to these three areas, maybe in our life where we've, we've struggled or just didn't get it, Lord, I thank you that today's a day that's a new day. It's a new day. 
It's a new day of abundance in, 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 in just an understanding of the gathering place. And so I thank you for all that you are doing and in this house and in, in the lives of our people. And Lord, let this week be a week like none other. I just pray and declare that your presence would be with each one of us in such a way that uh, is just honestly, truly remarkable. Even when we hit those, those curbs, <laughs> your presence would just be there right away to encourage us, but then there would be such a longing for the coming together in the house on Sunday to get realigned, to love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.